Welcome back, my confidants, my confidants, to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. I'm your host, Kelsey Dara. This is my cat, Leo, in the frame in case you see a cat just walking around or hear any strange noises. And before I introduce my lovely, hilarious, gorgeous guest, I want to put out all the trigger warnings for this episode. We will be talking about suicide, depression, mental institutions. Just, you know, if you're not feeling um, super right in your head, uh, maybe skip this episode. I don't know. Only you know your limits, BB, but I can promise you that we are open and honest and it's going to be a fun conversation. It's going to be amazing. much fun as you can have yeah. with the topic of suicide. Yeah. I want to introduce my guest for this week, Sid Wilder. Hi. You are an amazing comic, insta-ho, fellow boss bitch, female podcast host of Girl Interrupted, which is funny because I'm assuming that's after Girl Interrupted, which is a movie about lesbians in a mental institution. Yeah, yeah, because when I, well, it was a psych ward. It was, a, they were really weird What's about that. What's the difference? So mental institution is where you go when you're, that's like your new home. And uh-huh. then a psych ward is when you're just visiting. Wait, it's why can't like I hear you? You can't hear me. I can hear myself pretty oh, good. There you go. Oh, okay. is this better? Yeah. I'm trying to look at you and have that like bond, you know? <laughs> but it's like the angles, just like my my stretcher that you're on. It's like oh. kind of awkward. You have a you know? stretcher uh, for your podcast that I was just on last week, so make sure to go listen to that. I have no idea if it'll be up by now. But I don't even know if I'm gonna release it because I talked about my dating life because I was happy and then that guy died. Not literally. He didn't but literally die, but yeah, we just you yeah, can always cut life. him out, right? <laughs> He's done. He got canceled. He canceled. fired. We're yeah, over well, it. We we decided it was because of the full moon that just happened. Yeah, that was it. Um, wait, so I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah. what was the difference between a psych ward and a mental institution? So a psych ward is more like you're going to um, uh, visit. You know? Okay, it's like you're, you're going just to stopping a, by. Yeah, it's more of like a day spa. And the other <laughs> one's more of like an all-inclusive. That's going to be your, you're actually relocating. You're a moving. five-star resort. Yeah, well, well <laughs> depends on what your standards are. Let's get into that then. Um, I want to tell the confidants how I was sort of introduced to you. I mean, we met over Instagram like any podcast hoes meet these days. Of course. Um, but I had also looked up your podcast and I listened to the episode where you talked about your time at a psych ward. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, what is this hot, funny bitch doing talking about this subject? And when I listened to it, I had to like check myself and be like, duh like she's doing the lord's work by normalizing this and talking about it and i know i've told you that a million times that like i just think what you're doing is so important and you know compliments 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 thank you but i was like will you please come on and talk about it with me because i myself have had a lot of (laughs) um visitor times at mental institutions and psych wards for various family members, loved ones. Um, But I myself have never been, though I've been to a mental health rehab, which I feel like was the cop-out way of doing it. You went like real hardcore. You were like... I didn't get to check myself into that one. (laughs) I didn't have a choice, unfortunately. Right. And I was like, "Mm, I think this is more comfortable for me. Yeah. so when I heard your story, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want people to just hear like the raw, real version of what 
yeah. getting admitted into a psych ward is like for you were there 72 hours, three days. I was. Which is actually quite short for. Yeah, they tried to. So when I, the reason I went in there is because yeah. I, uh, I did a lot of drugs that mm. I shouldn't have done. And I had six shots of vodka on an empty stomach. Love found that. out my. So it was uh, in a marriage that didn't work out. I was going to say, out. I don't know how much you want to talk yeah, no, about, no, no, no. but like I feel free. All, yeah, I talk all about it. So it wasn't just like, oh, whoopsie, like I sneezed and then I ended up there. <laughs> it was like a, a lot of different life events that happened in tragedy. So I was married. I found out my husband was cheating on me with multiple people. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard for me to take. And I'm divorced now. But at the time, I kept getting That's sick. That's life altering altering yeah well because i mean my stepfather i got married really fast within mm-hmm. four months of knowing someone which is really stupid my but, parents did three months well yeah but like yeah <laughs> for, no. for our generation you should have done better <laughs> i mean i know i know and then not only that he was uh 57 i was only 23 oh, go figure anything to do with daddy issues or totally daddy got issues 100 percent. <laughs> but i was going through a lot of trauma at the time so my stepfather just killed himself three weeks right, before that my grandfather right. just died wow. and then my boyfriend ex-boyfriend who's also dead <laughs> canceled or dead <laughs> He literally died. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. We broke up. I like was on and off with him since I was like 17. He was like the love of my wow. life. Yeah. So I, I was like, he couldn't keep his dick in his pants. So I was like, you oh. know what? I'm just going to get married. It was the first guy that was nice to me. So I mm. rushed into that. Mm-mm. And then I found all the cheating out. But I kept getting sick with bacterial infections. My obviously pussy. Yeah. And then ultimately I got uh, cancer. I found wow. out right after I got divorced from, or I filed and for you're divorce. how old at this point? I'm 25. When you get... Pussy cancer. Pussy cancer. Yeah, there's nothing like an Instagram model pussy cancer. Uh, so I... I love that you have such a positive... Like, we need more bitches like you talking about shit like that. I know. I'm, I feel like I finally met, like, a fellow insane right person that is also successful in doing things but still fucked up exactly and that's honest i feel like it's much more um i don't know attractive to me to find someone who mm. you know what crazy they are yes instead of it just creeping up on you like right. we're open about it like right. there's yeah, no, no we, surprises i can't keep my mouth shut i couldn't be quiet about this if i tried right <laughs> totally so, so you get vagina cancer is it cervical is it cervical okay, cancer? okay yeah so i had the surgery and then because thank god i didn't have to do chemo radiation mm-hmm. uh i ended up having two but at the time i went back to my ex-boyfriend mm. I was dating him I'd already filed for divorce I already moved out and everything yeah. I got nothing by the way in my divorce if the audience that cares. does matter yeah and not even my attorney's We're fees not here to to take shit yeah right. I, it was the de- like I'm not even an Anna Nicole, like I'm like the worst Anna Nicole <laughs> you know what I mean like I it was embarrassing like I I yeah you were like you gave me pussy cancer that's all I got <laughs> wow and it was because of his cheating yes that you were getting infections yes and so, you're and so my pussy like, turned into the Grinch. It was always mean and green and angry at everything. I was on antibiotics for like the majority of my marriage. And ugh. I was like, I didn't know I was wrong. So anyway, so when I left, I, I got back as a, cause I couldn't be alone. Cause I yeah. kind of had some codependency. Yeah, obviously, well, it's just, obviously you've been through some shit, some shit. So my ex-boyfriend, I, I got back with him for a little bit and he ended up cheating on me. And I knew him before I was with my ex-husband. Uh-huh. Um, I found he was cheating me with my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the best guys and then he was also like married with four kids which I didn't know the entire seven oh years I knew this motherfucker God. yeah so that was hard for me to take in so just a little bit yeah. I would imagine and I was taking my sister out for her birthday and I found out my sister was kissing the porn star that my ex-husband was cheating with me on at the avian awards that is so much information all at once so I found all of this out at <laughs> night and I'm still taking her out for her birthday okay right. so all this transpired at Yamashiro in Hollywood if you guys Ooh, I love that place they have really good food yeah, yeah there's totally it's totally haunted <laughs> 
So anyway, um, so I I was had six shots of vodka and I was doing painkillers for mm. my pussy and then mm. some Xanax just because it was around. It's because why not? And then uh, we got into a, an argument. Shocker. Go figure. I know. You have to confront that trauma. I know. And then it just all I, everything just escalated at that point with my mental well, health. It was a breaking point, probably. Yeah. Your brain was like, I can't possibly do anymore. I can't take anymore. Yeah. I know. And then mind you, all this was happening like the one year anniversary of my uh, ex boyfriend since I was seventeen. Death. Ugh. So it was just like blah. It was yeah, a lot, and then yeah. moving and dealing with attorneys with the divorce is stressful. Right. All of it was just so much. So that's so, like the condensed version yeah. of why yeah. you were in the headspace that you were. Had you ever had or like noticed any sort of depression or mental illness before in your life, or did you really kind of accumulate this trauma in your teen and early twenty years, and this was kind of like the break in that? That's a great. That's a lot to pack in that with that I'm uh, <laughs> that I'm taking in over here. Um, so I I've never been the type of person to say I'm depressed. Sure. I've always just been like, you know what? I'm gonna pray about it, and I'm mm. gonna work on myself, mm. and I'm gonna just keep going. Mm. And I'll cry. Sure. And then some days I'll get angry, but I'm not the type of person. And I was just talking to my mom about this yeah. on the drive over here. I was <laughs> I like, love your mom. I know she's the best. She, she loves you so too. Cute. Um. So yeah. So uh, I'm not the type of person that's like I can't leave my house because I'm depressed. I can't get anything done. If I have an appointment or somewhere to be, I'm going to be there. Right. And I usually up. like go into work. super deep down. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's not the healthiest thing to do. Turns out it's not. No. You weren't going to therapy or anything. But in that, those moments, how do you know? I mean, honestly, girl, like looking back at all of it now, and I did like a rebirth anniversary series mm-hmm. of my podcast where 33, 34, 35, where I really get into it with my daddy issues mm-hmm. and shit. Mm-hmm. I just, I've dealt with a lot. And I moved out to LA when I was 16. So right. like I'm at body image issues yeah. immediately. And I was bullied because I right. looked like a boy growing up. I don't know if you saw those pictures, but I looked like a total boy. <laughs> yeah, it was not, it was not the look. Not the look. Like I wore denim on denim. I was made fun of horribly. Oh. So like I always kind of had I struggled with those issues but it was never and then moving out to LA when I was 16 it was pretty crazy my mm. sister was the playmate I was the mm-hmm. you know the sister the sister yeah yeah it was just so very Ashley were... Simpson you know <laughs> who by the way autobiography is still one of my favorite albums seriously though that was like amazing yeah I ugh, I know every word I know anyway so you yeah. are at this point you're out with your sister. Yep. You find out and she's my mom. and your mom because we love her and she's a bad bitch who goes out. Yeah. And you, this night kind of spirals into you having a suicide attempt. Yeah. So my sister ended up leaving because she didn't want to, you know, deal with anything. And I was just like freaking out because my sister and I were screaming at each other in the Uber on the drive home. Mm. And she was staying at my, my rental place. I was like my divorce haven. <laughs> and um, she just bounced. She just like left. And my mom wasn't siding with either of us because she's a mom. She's like, I'm trying to remain neutral and just control this itch. And that's what set me over the edge at that point. Mm. That and probably I did a little bit more drugs too, but come say come that. Yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah, it was just it was all really bad. So I tried to hang myself. Mm. And my therapist did da- Dr. Danielle Delaney, who was on my first episode, which mm-hmm. I think that you listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's how I wanted to start off the girl yeah. interrupted, but yeah, she, um, she did a crisis intervention and she kind of calmed things down and I was still pretty high, but yeah. like I like calmed down, but I was still like yeah. upset. Right. And as soon as she left, I took some more pills and then wow. I tried to hang myself wow. on a doorknob with a rope, which is a pretty string. like, I don't want to say like baller way to try and kill yourself, but that's like not fucking around. No. Like in the attempt 
dictionary yeah. it's a it's a pretty active choice it was pretty yeah active. so in your podcast which everyone should go and listen to you talk about how your mom came in she saw me hanging right in the moment yeah. where it was kind of like literally do or die and that's what saved you yeah that and um my mom almost had a heart attack seeing me like that and then I was like mom please don't die even though I was just trying to kill myself right it's pretty fucked up it was like a comedy of errors but (sighs) super fucked up because I also felt really guilty because my stepfather killed himself and like we had to deal with that and I didn't know I said the statistic wrong in my last podcast that you're 65% more likely to commit suicide if you've experienced that by a friend or a close family member wow it makes a lot of sense yeah and I think like too I mean I can understand a lot of people who attempt and are successful with suicide because of the idea of just wanting pain to stop yeah not necessarily like you're not thinking about like the aftermath of it or whether you will be successful or not it's more about just the ending of the pain and like who wouldn't want to stop all of the trauma that you're talking about like who would want to live and have to deal with that that doesn't sound like a fucking walk in the park it's it was like a lot and no one should do any drugs when they're going through that and also mm. um i don't know if you're you have ever had to experience this before mm. but uh i was with a narcissistic sociopath that's who i oh, married oh, right. so they mm-hmm. they being with a narcissist fucks your world up yeah and you have this completely Very altered abusive. Yeah, yeah 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 but when you're in the suicidal um headspace there's this thing called cognitive constriction mm. and you basically what your brain does is it shuts down and it gets into like tunnel vision right where you can't find a way out in your sure, mind because sure. that's all you can focus on and think about and that's where the majority of the suicides happen I'm when people so don't have coping mechanisms gave that a name yeah well yeah i didn't make it up oh. but <laughs> <laughs> no i my my cousin actually uh, committed suicide so last year and the police kept telling us I mean it was like a pretty traumatic thing he was you know whatever um, and the police kept telling us he wasn't him when he did it right. and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about and they're like once your brain goes into that mode of like I've decided that I'm going to do this mm-hmm. unless someone is physically there to take whatever weapon or choice of ending your life out of your hands Mm -hmm. it's you go into that tunnel vision you talk about you do you do and then some other doctors call it like you know when you have a toothache and that's all you can focus on is the pain yeah but you know it'll subside it's just going to take some time but at the at that moment that's all you can think about that's exactly what mentally people that are suicidal go through right that's what cognitive constriction feels like wow so uh, that's an incredible name um (laughs) it's hard to say yeah (laughs) cognitive constriction um i think uh I should point out some statistics too that I had written down um, of in the United States, nearly 45,000 people die by suicide every year, making it the 10th leading cause of death in the country. On average, there are 123 successful suicides a day, uh, not counting those who survive attempts um, estimated to be about 1.4 million. And that was just in 2017. Um, there are over an average of 5,000 attempts each day in our nation. And that is only by young people of middle school and high school age. 
and going further into that age group, more teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. It's so, so heartbreaking. That's what was homeschooled. That's what I th- just thought about. Them. I'm like, the 13 reasons why I can't stand that that's like they're kind of glamorizing suicide. And I don't, mm. I'm not for that. I yeah. think it's awful. I think they tried to do some like damage control by being like, no, we're putting like a warning. And I was like, I think it's too late. Yeah. Like, that gave you like instructions on how to make it like romantic and yeah and make you popular which and and i also think popularity with social media i wonder how that has affected the youth of america and how that makes them value theirself and yeah you know it's just scary well i think a thing that hollywood does shitty is it makes it look like um very like uh manic pixie dream girl like it's this again like pretty thing and that's why i wanted you to come on here and talk about this because it's not what we think it is it's not like very soft lighting and you don't make best friends with your nurse who's gonna be like the one who turns your life around and there's not some hot guy waiting to pick you up and like save you at the end like it's very clinical and traumatic and be- gross do you want to i'll tell you everything yeah you know? so okay. let's go back to um, to that night to and that then, night okay so you the ambulance shows up and of course okay the cop comes first and i have no idea these people are like arriving you're you know? fucked up well yeah. that and well it was actually like kind of sobering seeing my mom oh, like that no matter have you ever up. had that moment where you're super fucked up but then something shitty happens and your adrenaline just goes you're sober now yeah <laughs> that's exactly what happened so a cop arrives i'm like who is this i was like shit i need to hide these drugs oh that's your first thought not like i'm gonna need help now yeah (laughs) Yeah. i was like i gotta i was like excuse me officer um (laughs) i need to change like where are we going what's happening and he's like you're coming with me we're going to the hospital i was like fuck Mm. okay i gotta listen because i come from a you know a police you know enforced law enforcement background yeah Yeah. so i was like okay so i changed i was like hmm what's a good look for a mental (laughs) institution (laughs) strut doesn't matter because they're gonna give you sweatpants and (laughs) sweatpants without a i had to add a joke in there okay (laughs) it's like come on it's like yeah without a rope in in your pants something white yeah (laughs) yeah. you're like saffon or or silk which one (laughs) so i get into the ambulance and of course the the emt is like magic mic hot like all i'm like i'm just i'm like this why do you have to be so hot when i'm having a mental breakdown right now this is troping into the like maybe you'll fall in love with the emt but no because like the motherfucker there's nothing i don't care who you are what you look like when someone tells you to just breathe when you're having a mental breakdown you're like i need more than breathing bitch and they're not they don't give you anything in this moment their job is just to keep you safe yeah their job is to like figure out what i'm on Uh and like make sure i don't like try to hurt myself or them more the medical side of things they're not there to like bridge you emotionally into going into a psych ward no they didn't have any no no so i got to st joseph's burbank Uh and then i was transported there and then i was there for about 12 hours maybe 9 to 12 hours I can't remember exactly because it's all kind of a blur all I know is I had to stay overnight and my roommates were a homeless drug addict who asked for drugs every 5 minutes and this is in the psych ward at this is in St. Joseph's I'm waiting I had this little um, I don't know what you would call it it's like something from the 80s that you would think that's from the 80s and I had a Skype call with for 2 minutes with some psychiatrist I've never 
never met, don't know. She doesn't have a medical history. And she's over Skype? Over Skype on this machine that looks like it's fucking from the 80s, girl. Oh I'm like, God. what is this? They this- didn't have any doctors on call there? No, that was the doctor. Through Skype? Yeah. Wow. So she said, did you try to kill yourself? She just asked me like a series of questions that she asked everybody at the hospital. And mind you, the girl to my right was a teenager suicide kind of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. acting out. Mm-hmm. girl and her family was there so I had that girl and then the, uh, the other guy that I hear the therapist ask the girl the you know the same questions she's like okay I'm gonna have to admit you to a psych ward same with me because I, I, I couldn't lie at that point everyone right. asked me I'm like shit well if I say I didn't try to kill myself then They're I'm gonna, gonna look like, crazy yeah, yeah yeah so I'm like I don't want to be on a 52 50 hold which is two weeks instead right, of 72 right. hours so 51 50 which is the one I think most people are hearing are used to hearing about is a 48 hour it's a 72 hour so it's so a three-day hold yeah and then the 5250 is two weeks. weeks and what depends on the severity of that um well they look for so before i went in because obviously it sobered up like a lot over right, that amount of time hours, yeah uh i i googled before they took my phone wh- what do they look for right. in, in a psych patient so they look at, to see about your hygiene if you're cleaning mm. if you're attending group therapy that's a really big mm. one mm-hmm. if you're present mm-hmm. um and if you know how you interact with the other patients and mm-hmm. it's kind of hit or miss so right. another big issue that we have with um, our mental health care in the United States is there's not enough beds. Right. You know, if you do are fortunate enough to have health care, you can't get access to beds. Yeah. So when I got transported, which was super embarrassing, which is why I have... um, it's weird. I'm like, that's why I have the stretcher. So they had to put me in a six point hold because that's something that's like legally they have to do. So I couldn't oh, have, wow. I was restrained completely. Like my, my hip. that seems archaic. It was crazy, but it's, it's like for insurance liability shit in case I try to like I escape, guess. but it was like, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was, I didn't want my mom to see me like that. I asked them to put the sheet over me so that way she'd yeah. see it. It was like in a 5150, aren't they also, you're on like a one-to-one watch like don't they have someone watching you no that's called something else then huh Uh, that's a isolation (laughs) one-to-one or something it's not necessarily isolation as much as it like just someone doesn't leave your side that so that kind of happens more i feel like in rehab when you're on suicide watch Mm. I, I don't think that happens when you're in a suicidal yeah. facility. It, no one well, really cares if you're gonna no, kill yourself. No, there. I, I I had to drop off a family member once and they like had some young girls, like you know, nurse or something, sit yeah. with us and I was like so are you here to like interview or what? And she's like, no, I'm just, I'm on the one-to-one watch. Oh, and that's, I think those are like uh, nursing students or like they're trying to get their mm. nursing degree that, that they come and they observe you, but there there was no one-to-one. You're still no, with all I, the other She patients. was like, her job was to sit with us and make sure, cause they didn't restrain them okay. at all. And, uh, it was funny in your podcast how you talked about the girls uh that in the ambulance who had recognized you oh god that was so embarrassing we were like sitting there for so long waiting for a bed exactly what you're talking about Mm -hmm. that the girl was like yes this is awkward we've actually met before and i was like dude what kind of privacy laws do you have here they don't care yeah and i feel like that also depends on where you go right and also like let's be honest your race and ethnicity and and your insurance information when we were at that facility we saw someone come in who was like transient or homeless and the guy was saying like i want to kill myself i'm not right like i have mental health issues and 
we saw them turn that person away because they didn't have insurance. Yeah. And, you know, we're coming in white, clean, and uh, with a history of mental illness. And they're like, we'll take you right upstairs and you'll get the last bed and we'll take your money. And we know that we will be able to, you know, help you. And I'm not trying to. That's uh, so interesting. I had the opposite experience. Really? They, I think they loved punishing me. And it was more of a power trip for them to see put me a white girl like in, locked away at the worst mm, one i didn't get to go to ucla i didn't get right. to go to any of the nice one i was in fucking rosemead california uh, do you know where that is yeah north it's disgusting <sighs> yeah and I, like that's the other thing is like and they didn't have beds are. for me too when i was there they put me in the wrong unit they put me in the unit with the homeless people with the bloods and the crips with um my two roommates one was like the girl from the ring like literally like people that were that were there for they're going to be there for a lot well, longer that's than 52 50 yeah i was going to put me in the right unit because there was no beds right i was going to ask like the difference too between getting admitted for something like if someone has a history of, let's say, like schizophrenia or bipolar or a severe depression, and they're kind of like, oh, here's old what's her name coming in for her, like, come down and, you know, or, or like, oh, here's a teen who's, you know, quote unquote acting out or, or looking for attention, like, okay, we'll put her through the system versus like someone, you know, this is not something you've never experienced before. Yeah. And so they're not sure, like, like, all you can say is like, here's my trauma. They don't and care. And they have to like p pull the, the Rubik's cube out and like figure out what, how to handle you I versus was, you were just another number in the cattle for them. Literally. So what you're talking about is when you actually have time with a therapist, you right. get there, you check in with the nurse. And I, I, I said this in my podcast. It's like, I looked at everyone in the eye and I said, hellos. Cause I didn't want them to think I was a fucking afraid of them. Yeah. I did not want to give off that vibe. Yeah. So the nurse is like, stop doing that. You're going to get raped. So they check <gasps> you in the nurse, gets your vitals and you get on a scale. And that's when they told me that then I met the doctor and he was like just about to leave. I was only with the doctor for three minutes Ugh. and that was it. That's it. So it's like more like keep your head down. Don't say anything. Don't be noticed. Follow mm. the rules. You want to follow the rules, but you also want to be in the group, like I said, and mm. like, you know, make sure you shower and right. take care of yourself. But the head nurse there, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that she fucks them. Like she was seriously like someone from Orange is the New Black. Like she was like awful and she totally loved all the male patients there. Like mm. especially the gang members. She was all about that. My medication got stolen, by the way, in the transport. That's the type of bitches that you're dealing with. So I think it really does like depend on also what kind of mental health care facility that you get. Admitted and you don't to. have a choice. You don't. Mm -mm. There, you're also you're thinking of all these things like how do I get out of here as fast as I can meanwhile you've just had all this trauma and your brain you know explode with emotion and you're not really able to focus on yourself you're more so focusing on like how can I get out of here how can I get out of here because it's awful and I was re-traumatized too because I've been raped like I was like mm. it was so scary for me mm. and you're you don't feel safe there oh no it was awful it but yeah. but at the same time when I got transferred, so, like, they had a lot of newscasters and stuff in Unit 1. So that was more like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm. And then when I got transferred where the suicidal eating disorder people were, where mm. I was supposed to be the whole time, right. the Kardashians were on, and it was nice. And I felt like, <laughs> okay, good. You're like, I, I recognize this yeah. vibe. Yeah, because in Unit 1, there was just, like, the newscasters, and those poor girls didn't realize that yeah. they were, like, porn stars for all the guys there. Mm. Um, so when I got to Unit 2, I felt a, a little bit more safe, a lot more safe. And the help that you got, there was not as many disruptions in the group therapy. Right. And, you know, I really enjoy, I got a lot out of the therapy techniques that 
I was taught. Right. And the coping mechanism. So yeah. I, I enjoyed that. It was kind of like being in school. Like I felt like yeah. I was like in psychology. And then and the stories are so raw. Swi- when did you get switched over units? Uh, a day. I was there for 24 hours. So you're like in hell for 24 hours with like gang members and, and very sick people who are also not getting adequate care and are not being paid attention to. And, you know, I've seen places where... Uh, the nurses have told me that a lot of time prisoners will, you know, fake mental illness or suicide attempt to get out of the prison to go to psych ward and they're put in with general population on like, yep. it just seems like kind of a mess. Like I haven't heard someone be like, this was a great three days for me. I really decompressed and really learned a lot, but at least you were able to get into the right unit with, people more similar to your mindset and age and, yeah. and experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it just, there was a lot of healing that took place that I did. Like a lot of the people there just wanted drugs and to stay. And some mm. people in their minds, they think it's like a spa, you mm. know, because they're a little, you know. Well, you get to disappear for three days. To them, I think they like it. And mm. I did, that wasn't my thing, mm. you know, and, and to each his own. But mm. I just really did enjoy being, not having cell phones, not yeah. having to care about any social media bullshit, yeah. not thinking about who's calling, blah, 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 blah. It was just nice to like go, fuck, Sid. Like, what do you want out of your life? Mm. Like, what, why did you, how did you end up here, bitch? Yeah. Like, how did, what happened? Yeah. And so there was this really great technique that I would love to share with yes, your listeners. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm dyslexic, so I mess it up a little bit in how I heard the coping mechanism. So what you do is you use both your hands. It's a writing technique. Mm. So whatever trauma happened to you, let's say mine is obviously like with my dad. Right. So when I was five years old, my dad, um, you know, kind of left and my parents divorced and that was really traumatic for my, our family. Right. So I take my right hand and I respond as my five-year-old self to my mm. dad. And I'm like, Daddy, it's okay that you left. We love you, Mommy, and my sisters are going to make it, blah, blah, blah. And then with my left hand, I write as my dad leaving. And mm. that year, so 1995, I write, sorry, Sydney, I have to leave, blah, blah, wow. blah. And so it, it, it really works both sides of your brain. Oh. And it really, like, you, when you look at it, you see the patterns. So mm. I think we were talking about this on my podcast. It's, mm. like, tactical. You yeah. can see it. When you see your words and your thoughts and your feelings on paper and you get it out of your body, right. it really helps. It really helped me. It was a really great exercise for me. So I... Well, I like that idea, too, of just some sort of technique you were given in that facility because I've seen the schedules of places like that of, of, you know, you wake up. Let's talk maybe a little bit about that. Like, how is the day structured there when you went? So, okay. So you wake up, uh, you have group. Um, it's not really group. It's more of like homeroom. You yeah. know what I mean? You have and like now that. are you waking up at a specific time? Like when I went to rehab, they were like, you're up at 7 a.m., bitch. I don't care how tired you are. And I, I was like, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I did that for three days, too. And I was like, no, thank you. Um, I, I think it's 8 or 9. I uh-huh. can't remember exactly what time, but it was early in yeah. the morning. And then we did that. And then we'd have like a 15-minute break where you could go out and smoke or do whatever. Uh-huh. And, and people who don't even smoke pick up smoking in places like this. You're yeah. like, I just want to get outside. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, sign me up. Um, and I was like, I don't care if I just had cancer surgery. <laughs> you're like, that's the least of my worries right now. <laughs> Pretty fucking much. And you're very popular when you have the cigarettes. Mm. So um, anyway, so I 
uh, we'd do that and then we'd come back and then we'd have like an hour meeting. Uh-huh. And then, as you know, you'd have like break or whatever right, and then right. you'd have lunch. And then right. if you have privileges, you can go to the cafeteria. If you don't, I didn't. And you don't get that because you weren't there long enough to like establish privileges. No. Yeah. And no. they could be taken away and threatened against you. And I've seen that happen where yeah. if you don't take your meds, even if you are having weird side effects, you all of a sudden don't get to use the phone anymore and you can't talk to your loved ones. And yep. And mind you, the first day I had no medications, nothing coming off of all these drugs. So did they give you meds? Not till over 24 hours into it. And was it something like you're taking this or you have the option? To, like, did you know your patient rights? Yeah, I did. I read them. They gave me the, the manual as soon as I got there. Yeah. But as soon as I got there, I was a little overwhelmed because they had to tranquilize someone for trying to escape. <laughs> it was oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I think that's interesting, too. Again, like going back to someone who walks in with a mental illness or like a disorder being like, this is what I am. This is what's happening to me. Like I need a safe place to be. And versus someone who's like, you don't know me. We've never met. Like, I don't have a name for what I'm going through. I just am going through it and I need you to help me. Yeah. And them having to like, it just seems kind of crazy to put someone on meds after 24 hours of knowing someone and Skyping with a psychiatrist for three minutes. Yeah, well, I gave him, I mean, I've been on Adderall my entire mm-hmm. adult life and I was on Ritalin before it was Adderall. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, I told them that and yeah. I took a sleeping pill. And so I told them that yeah. at that time I did Xanax. So I was like, yeah. I do Xanax, but I've never touched Xanax after that experience yeah. because, ugh. Well, yeah. I can't ever touch a Xanax. Mm. I just can't. Mm. I like, ugh. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. So that's, um, no offense if you, anyone does it. If that no, works for you, No, whatever good. works for you. Not well, judging. I think it's, it's something that, like, it's worth talking about, like, the sharp edges of this stuff. Because we don't, we don't know how ta- having casual conversations about suicide can impact people. In a, exactly. In a positive way. I think it's, it's so... It, how do I say this? If I can live with the um, thoughts of dying or like suicidal ideation, I feel like I should have the people, other people and doctors can live with the discomfort of knowing about it. Yeah. You know, like I think having this casual conversation about like, Hey, meds were not like Xanax was not your thing. No. And it's just like every, not every skin product is going to work for your skin. You know what I mean? Right. I'm breaking out so bad by the way. Oh, Me too. It's so bad. Uh, Anyways, back to your uh, thing. So, so a little bit more (laughs) about the structure. Um, Yeah. Can you at any point change your mind? Can you be like, I don't want to do this anymore? No, not when you're involuntarily committed. Mm -hmm. And so what's the difference? Would you say if you attempt suicide, are you involuntarily committed? If you're called out by your therapist, which Dr. Daniel Delaney did that to me. So yeah, but you're glad. Oh yeah. No, I'm very happy if I didn't have that experience. Cause I did everything I could when I was at Burbank for those 12 hours with my mother and I was humiliated and felt horrible and guilty. And I was like, what the fuck? Why did you do this? Sydney? You know, I was coming down off of drugs, you know? And like, I mean, it wasn't because I wasn't having like a horrible come down. I was just like, fuck Sid. Like, Like, how did you do this? You would have done that without the drugs. Absolutely not. Mm. Absolutely not. But Mm. I think something had to happen because if it did, there's, I don't know what would have happened if I didn't have that experience. And so in a way it, it, altered the course of your life for the better the rest of my life i'll always have that will be like my rock bottom and i will never get back to that place i vowed to myself i'll never get back to that place yeah i remember we went when we went to go visit one of my family members we had never been to a psych ward before and my dad walked in and was like we are taking them out 
today, like to yeah. the head doctor. And the doctor was like, well, no, you know, the protocol here is we can't. And my dad was like, today. Yeah. We're taking them out. Yeah. And like we were looking at different facilities and you had to have like a transfer set up. And if you wanted to go into a private facility, they it costs like twenty eight thousand dollars to transfer them on an airplane. If you want them to like fly out of state or like, you know, it's an ambulance fee. If you want to transfer them from one psych ward to a, an inpatient facility or like a residential treatment center, like. Gosh, this sounds like such nice options. <laughs> it sounds like a luxury. Right. Like you were just like, get me the fuck out of this hellhole. Yeah. Like the place I went, there were people like throwing their own shit against the wall. Yeah, there was a lot of people defecating themselves. Banging their heads, Mm -hmm. blood everywhere. Like it was nothing like the Emma Roberts, Zach Galifianakis movie that like. Wait, they had a movie together? It was like a, what, didn't they have it again? I never saw it. It was like a mental health movie or something where some girl falls in love with some guy. Well, there's a, a lot of people try to fuck you. And like everyone's not super in the horny. hot Hollywood rom com. No, like way. creepy. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. Cr- super creepy. And so, um, when you're getting the medication and stuff, are they doing any sort of tests on you? It, no, or is they it didn't all care. like talk therapy or there's like literally for the psychiatrist, the only one that can actually like prescribe the medication, you're three minutes with him a day. That's it. That's it. He doesn't care. He's like, how are you doing? Okay. And it's literally like he's making rounds like in a regular hospital where they're coming in like, yeah. Yeah. So sorry. I I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, You know, you you go in his room and he's seeing, I don't know, hundreds of patients a day. And his job is just to not keep them, to keep them from trying to escape or kill themselves. Pretty much. Yeah. Or hurting other people. Or hurting other people. Yeah. And that's what I think like the main takeaway from this is like, I don't think it's like all people who work in mental health facilities are evil because I've definitely seen like the bougie white side of it where people are there to help and really do care. But I think when you're underpaid, overworked, beds are overbooked, that sounds like a hotel. We're totally full. Um, You, your job as a, mental health professional in that caretaker situation is to keep people from being violent, escaping or killing themselves. Yeah. And you don't care about, Oh, well, how are you actually feeling? There's like, some good people there. And then there's some really awful people. Yeah. There's some people that love to take a, a the power. A, yeah. And then there's some people that really genuinely do care and they yeah. put in the work. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a mixed bag, but the doctors are definitely not the people that are going to be mm. asking you how you feel and give a it's fuck. It's so impersonal. It is. Like with your therapist, you have established a repertoire, you know, your triggers. Yeah. And in a situation like that, there's no personal touch bedside no. manner no absolutely not they could care less and and also it all depends on your state of mind so when you're in the groups do you care are you sitting and stewing and you know thinking about all the things that you could be doing and mm. you're mad that you're there or do you have an open mind and you're like you know what yeah no i fucked up That's like why I'm, I'm here, here so I might as well make the best of it i'm not gonna so get out you were talking about three days mm-hmm. are you excited to get out are you still trying to get out at that point are you like i need to get the fuck out of here and go straight to my therapist are you like i need to see my mom oh no my mom came to visit me and it was so hard because she didn't want me because i was going through a really nasty divorce right she didn't want me to tell my ex that Mm. i you know because he could use that against me and of course i did because i was an idiot and i Mm. you know i had to break my own heart leaving him it sounds awful but i had like stockholm syndrome sure being with him because i was so used to the abuse abuse, yeah yeah so i was like but i love you know in my mind so it was really hard for me to detach and break away from that 
And then when I was in there, that was the biggest blessing is like I got out and I wanted nothing to do with him. After mm. going through three days of fucking hell, mm. you think I'm going to put up with any of that shit mm. again? Hell fucking no. Because you saw what rock bottom. Yeah. And like. it was because I allowed men to get the best of my heart and my feelings. And I yeah. gave them my power instead mm. of owning my power and keeping my power and my self-respect and my self-love. Right. I didn't have any of that then. Well, it's also interesting that like going to one of these facilities is really the removal of power. Like you have no self-advocacy you have no rights there and so when you get out you're like i'm never letting this shit fucking happen ever again, again. yeah so what did what did you wear like what did they give you when you check in <laughs> <laughs> well my mom was so amazing and kind she brought me um some clothes and i actually had one of my roommates try to steal my pillow when i was leaving um, but they're like, yeah, don't leave anything out because they'll steal it. And they do. They steal it. And, like, you can't have any pins. You can only have, like, half pencils. Oh, wow. You know, no shoelaces. No shoe. They take the rope out of your sweatpants. Yeah, they everything. Take, like, do they, like, can you wear contacts? Like, what? I'm just mm. thinking of other stuff, like glasses. Like Any, like, products that I had that I brought with me, I had to put them in contraband. Oh, it sounds. Oh, okay. All right, girl. Gosh, you, like, got to get the sweet spot. <laughs> well, I hear how loud I am, and I'm worried. Oh, my gosh. No, why are you so worried? Because it sounds so no, good to okay, me. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you're so funny. I don't oh, even pay stop. attention to this shit this when I'm doing is a podcast. This is like a more intense episode, but I'm glad we're doing it. Oh my gosh, is it that intense? I try no, to like bring levity I, I to guess, it. Like to me, it's not because I've been through this. I know so many times, and like you have such a personal connection to it that I'm like. I just want this to be known. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that great of an experience. And like, how do we cope with fucked up shit? We joke about it. Like we are able to make light of it because we're allowed to and we can. Yeah. And also like, I'm serious about my self love and my process. Mm. And mm. I wouldn't be, if I wasn't ready to bless. talk about it, I wouldn't talk about Fucking it. Bless. You know? Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm happy that I'm still alive. There's not a lot of people that can say that they've attempted suicide and that even when the first of all say that, and then right. say that they're also a survivor right. of that. So, you're getting towards three days. Yeah. Are you being told like tomorrow you'll be out or were that you happened. just like let out? No. So what happened was the doctor, well, the exact opposite of what happened. Well, yeah. you just said the doctor, they try to kind of play mental mind games with you to see if you'll break. Mm. Some people do. And particularly the psychiatrist wanted to uh, fuck with me to see like how I would respond. He's like, well, we'll see. You know, if, if uh, I think the, the nurses were saying that you're going to stay, maybe you need to stay a couple extra days. And the nurses weren't doing shit. Okay? And the nurses are the one who are spending like way more time around you, but not necessarily with you. But like she was awful to mm. me. And she's the one that was like talking shit yeah. when I was fine. I literally followed every single protocol. But and my roommates were like, you, you were type fine? A? Yeah, I was, honey, they were like, you shouldn't be here. Why are really? you here? Yes. Because they're used to seeing like, you know, I'm homeless people quoting way, way worse cases or like more severe mental illness. Whereas like they could write this off as like an emotional breakdown. That's pretty much what it was. Because mm. that's why I've like I, I've been through a lot of trauma in my life and right. a lot of abuse. Like I don't I wouldn't label myself as a depressed person. I wouldn't right. label myself as an anxious person. Sure. Do I have anxiety? Yeah. But like, you know, and like healthy anxiety. Well, I don't know if it's ever <laughs> healthy, but it's it's not something that I I'm like this is I like I totally admire what you're doing. And mm. I was, again, saying about this with my mom, I just that's not my thing. No, I just sure. pick really bad no, guys. I wouldn't wish this thing upon anyone. I if know. you 
know. I can avoid it. Please. Do. I know. Mine is just more like I go straight to the point. You yeah. Know? No. I just, you do drugs yeah. and go straight to the yeah, point. No, you, you, you have your own way of doing it. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> fuck around. But no, guys, I think guys probably I let them get the best of me because of my daddy issues. And that's like, yeah, because my heart's too big. On. Yeah. I've been very well. Yeah. I mean, I haven't jumped in another relationship after this. Mm. I haven't had kids with anyone. Right. I haven't. So I haven't like gotten remarried after and four months knowing someone three years ago. Yeah. My divorce. I filed in 2015. Uh huh. And 2016 is when all this happened, August 2016. Uh-huh. And then I went to the Laid in America premiere, all those red carpet pictures and shit. I was working. I wow. was getting shit done. Nobody knew anything. So let's talk a little bit about discharging. So they were fucking with you. And the nurses were saying, you need to stay a couple more days. The psychiatrist is like, we'll see. They tell you the day you get out that you're leaving or they tell you before. <laughs> I have a funny story about that. So they eventually, so I told my mom what they said and she was like, no, we're getting the attorneys involved. Cause at that point, after you hit the 72 hour mark, you can't you, have, you can leave. Well, if they will, they have to like, you know, make sure Clear that you're you. discharged. Yeah. Right. So, and I had to sign a waiver saying that I wasn't allowed to own a gun for five years, which I think is ridiculous. I think anyone that's been in a psych ward should never ever have ever. a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the main cause of fatalities uh, with suicidal wow. people. Um, so yeah, so I did that and I was with this really sweet girl playing checkers with her and she, she there, she, I think she had down syndrome mm. or something. It was like really sad and mm. she, de- she's, she defecated herself and there's these two mean girls that kept trying to get her to go in other people's rooms which you're not allowed to do mm. and like they, you know those two girls were like little troublemakers and yeah. they were and she's she didn't know because she yeah. had a disability and so i was trying to like keep her safe and i was like don't and she's fuck with her in the psych ward yeah she's in the psych ward because her dad died and you know some people there fucking lie you don't know why they're there they mm. tell you shit and you know that they don't even know why they're there right. you yeah. know so you hear some stories and you're like did that really fucking happen yeah so uh but it's to each his own yeah. you have to let people be who they're gonna sure, be sure and um she was really lovely so my mom came to get me my you know roommate tried to steal my pillow and then she pretended like she got hurt so she could ask for medication and made a big scene it was mm. awkward you're like and i'm out <laughs> yeah so i got all my stuff i was like bye guys and it's so funny the nurse is like oh gosh what did she say i remember saying on my podcast she's like i hope to never see you again and if i do i hope it's under different circumstances yeah, absolutely <laughs> i was like thanks girl yeah. like same <laughs> and then when i got out my mom was like well i have some good news i was like what and this is after i heard this girl's story of like how she got in there and how her dad just died and all this like uh-huh. really heart-wrenching stuff that I believed and it was so sad and mom's like oh you're um ask men's top 99 hottest women and I hadn't shaved <laughs> in like three fucking days like oh my god I was just like what uh, okay like I don't care oh my god I don't give a it fuck it just goes to show you though that like you never know what someone's actually going through no and so it, I hate it when I get prejudged for mm. when people see my Instagram, Instagram. or yeah. even when I talk about sex because sex has a lot to do with your mental health sure and absolutely I'm a sexual person and I yep. hate it when people judge me for that it means you're like fucked up or like have so much the reason why you're so sexual is because of this well yeah obviously i've been raped a lot and you know what i could either be anti-sex or i could like embrace it but i'm i'm like a relationship person i've had cervical cancer i'm a germaphobe like i'm not just out fucking everything i see it doesn't have anything to do with it do you think like okay so you know chelsea handler had like her whole shtick of like talking about her sexual escapades Uh and like everything uh Do you think as a influencer and comedian, do you think it doesn't, it stops getting funny at a certain age? Oh, I talk about this all the time about how that whole genre of like Amy Schumer, hot, messy, slutty, like Nikki Glazer's type comedy 
isn't cute anymore. And they've realized it. Like Chelsea just came out with the Black Lives Matter documentary and like Amy is now doing like gun violence rights. And, you know, these women have become like feminists instead of like the sloppy hot, hot mess was cute when like Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan were still doing it. It's not cute anymore. And I feel like the generation below us is like, wait, I don't want to like, fuck a bunch of people and that'd be my legacy like yeah i want to make a impact on this world and maybe it is fucking a lot of people and, and being a sexual advocate and activist but that the mess behind it is not cute anymore no it's not so it's hard because you're like you're in a relationship mm. and i'm not so like i'm still trying to like i feel like once i have a partner it'll be fine but right now since i'm dating actively dating and talking about it i'm just getting like the worst fucking i'm mm. attracting the worst guys and then the guys that i do want to go out with don't want to go out with me because i've talked about having sex and mm. all this other stuff and well, it's really it also just, like comes with the territory of putting your whole life out there i know right i know but i think what you're worried the work you're doing is so important I'm too. proud of it I have no regrets for it and I'm gonna scare off a lot of people and that's fine those aren't my people but everyone has their shit man and they just don't talk about it you yeah know? like I think that's why I keep saying like we need to normalize this this conversation we need to normalize suicidal ideation which is the thinking of suicide which is something I've experienced very much in my life where it's um I pulled some quotes from a really great uh article that everyone should read that I will link in bio along with a bunch of other resources to the National Suicide Prevention Line, Crisis Text Line, Trevor Lifeline, and Trans Lifeline um, in case you're feeling triggered from this episode or just want to know more. Um, there's a great uh, article written by someone, Anna Borges. She also just wrote a book called The More or Less Definitive Guide to Self-Care. But she has an article dealing with suicidal ide- ideation and the idea that she is not always attached to the idea of being alive. And what does that mean? And uh, why it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. Um, I wrote down a, a thought that I had today on the airplane that when I was going through suicidal ideation, I thought so- there was something wrong with me. Yeah. And there were things wrong with me. There's- and that's okay. Yeah. And I think we don't talk enough about how, like, if you're thinking about that, there's probably a reason. Mm-hmm. And like you say, like, even though this was a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. that needed to happen for the course of your life to completely be altered and changed. Absolutely. And if you're having these thoughts, that's okay. Yeah. And it just means you need help. And that's also okay. Yeah. But we, we don't recognize that. You don't. And if you have that, I my suggestion is talking to a therapist or a safe person as soon as possible before you get to a breaking point like me because you don't want to have all that stuff just fucking yeah. build up and build up and build up and then you try right. to kill yourself. Right. You know, you need to talk about it. You need to find groups. There's so many resources online that you can mm-hmm. go check out. Um, one of my favorite ones right now is the Hope Alliance and it's mm-hmm. amazing and it's also for people that have lost family and friends mm-hmm. from suicide. And um, it, it just gives you so many different tools to cope with those dark feelings because we all have that. Yeah. It's not abnormal to yeah. feel that way. It's just important to know how to cope with it. Important to know yeah. where it stems from. Right. And like how to, uh, as Anna puts it, trudge the water, like how to keep your head just afloat. Like even if you do are just floating, just keeping your face above water, like how, how do we, how do we learn how to trudge water and not let it take us 
underneath technically i think if you have a very strong purpose for your life whatever it is and that's a lot of deep self-work that you have to get to the bottom of Mm -hmm. what is your reason for waking up every morning what gives you passion (laughs) yeah like what is and it's different for everybody everyone has their own and that's the thing too with therapy acupuncture works for some people Mm -hmm. hypnotherapy works for some people it it all depends on what you're into and um cognitive behavioral therapy isn't for everybody some people want to do the tapping dbt or ac yeah, 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 there's lots of different types. So, you know, you just got to keep trying different things until you figure out what mm. speaks to your soul. Mm. But having a purpose and knowing what your purpose is every day you wake yeah. up, this is what I'm here for and working towards it, setting yeah. goals. Absolutely. That's important. And I think that that helps you the most because it's the the uh, suicidal idea. Uh, fuck, I can't say that right now. Ideation. <laughs> I have like a burnt tongue. So it's oh, really no. hard. I deation. Deation. Wow, I'm adding an L in there for no fucking Whatever. reason. Whatever. Do whatever you want. Um, it's your episode. <laughs> Thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you. I know it's so easy to listen to me when I say it. So anyway, so um, I think that really it all depends on what happens to you in that moment. So dancing for me has helped mm. or listening to music. Yeah. I've listened to Don't Stop Believing a lot when I get into that mood. <laughs> the glee version of that song is the best. I really haven't heard that, but I need oh, to. Oh, you have to. And I write. So mm-hmm. like when I'm not, I mean, not that I, okay, I shouldn't say that I have that because I, I haven't really thought about killing myself mm. at all. Um, my divorce was really dark. I had some sure. bad moments during that, but since it's been over, I haven't, I haven't yeah. had anything. It's I've been getting really out of the good. toxic relationship. That's helped yeah. so, and having it be over. Cause it's yeah. one thing when you break up with someone, it's another thing when it's drug out through the court right. systems for three fucking years right. when you're only married to with no kids and no assets. Oh, that's a different type of bitch to deal with. Yeah. But when you're in those moments, just focus on the good. You have to reprogram your brain when, when a negative thought comes in, Think of something positive immediately. And you, you yes. can say, okay, I accept you. Thank you for coming. I don't need you. Yeah. And then like replace yeah. it with something positive, whatever that yeah. is for you. Yeah. And you know, I want to end this episode also mentioning that like, we're not doing this to say like, don't go to a psych ward if you need help or like, <laughs> don't check yourself in. Don't call like the crisis line. But I hope like hearing this will give you some insight and some tools on how, what to expect and how to navigate and manage that conversation or like maybe the best way to go about getting yourself help what your options are uh bringing a loved one with you like you know prepping the way you did like if you have control over that side of things I mean if you just are involuntarily swished away and you and you don't have the uh time or energy to to plan anything at least knowing what is going to happen to you, uh, I think is important. And I'm so glad you came and shared your experience. Thank you for having me. And yes, always please reach out to the, any suicide hotline. Yes. That's so, so important. Yeah. yeah. Cause That's that important. can also get you to a place where you don't have to be whisked away. No. Yeah. You don't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are, that's okay. Like making a plan for outpatient or like after discharging, were you going to a therapist like the day you got out or, no I was not but I, I had to legally you have to go to three therapy appointments and I, mm. I went to three different uh, psychiatrists legally one fell asleep on me and oh. they give you a list of who you have to go to oh wow yeah and I was like I don't know these people because oh, they're like court ordered I guess yeah. like they yeah. are the legal ones wow yeah I had a therapist fall asleep on me once it was so it's funny You're, but he was so present actually gave really good <laughs> advice and then just started sleeping out of nowhere I was like what the hell that hey. was what a lead on <laughs> <laughs> you were really 
working from here. Um, Sid Wilder, where can people follow you and listen to more about your experiences in life? Thank you so much for asking. Uh, so the first in, uh, girl interrupted episode is with my therapist, Dr. Danielle Delaney, who 5150s me. Mm-hmm. It was really great to start off the series with that. And then my rebirth anniversary series where I get into all of the deep shit is uh, episodes, like I said, 33, 34, 35. So please go check that out if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health issues. Yeah. And I am also on Instagram, Sid Wilder and Girl Instructed. Yay. And if you want exclusive episodes, yes. check out my Patreon, please. Ooh, Girl Instructed. hello Will you give me that link? Yes, bitch. Perfect. Um, I also just wanted to quickly shout out our winner from our giveaway of last week's episode. We have got, la, 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 drum roll please, at Mom Life Guru, what mom doesn't need a good skincare fridge? So I hope you enjoyed that. Guys, we are doing giveaways all the time over on the social medias at Confidently Pod. Be sure to rate this five stars on iTunes. We want to get those reviews up. But if you're not going to leave five stars, just please don't because I'm too sensitive. Uh, you can also find us at Twitter at Confidently Pod. And you can email us at Confidently Insecure Podcast at gmail.com. And make sure you go follow Sid. And you can ask her questions. Slide into those DMs. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.